Hey, what's up, Bill? Can you hear Not me? Not too much. I can hear you, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Ready to rip. Traffic. I am, man. I am. Traffic was a mess coming home from down by the D.C. area, so there's always accidents down there, so I got in a little bit late, so I apologize. Yeah, that's no problem. <laughs> so, what's up? What's new with you? Everybody Not knows. too much, man. Everybody I'm just watching the, uh, I'm watching the Eagles beat up on the Steelers, and I am uh, watching on the other screen the uh, Yankees and uh, White Sox playing yeah. in the Field of Dreams game. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to talk about. I, I didn't even know that that was going on. And I was on Facebook for a little bit, and I saw the live entrance of uh, Kevin Costner walking through the cornfield. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool, right? You know, that, yeah. that's kind of uh, amazing that they took that idea and, you know, made it a reality. And, and I, yeah. I think they built that stadium because I'm reading about it right now. They built that stadium just, just for that game. I think they're going to do it annually. I, I think they're going to do it every year. Yeah, I think they are. I think they're going to, you know, switch up the teams and give everybody a chance to, uh, you know, showcase their talents on that field. It's going to be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And if you look online on the Twitter of the, the corn maze, um, you know, it actually looks like a, a guy standing at home plate getting ready to hit, hit the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so what's new with you? What have you been up to? Not too uh, much, know? man. Just- uh, just working, man, trying to make it every day, you know, uh, out there selling, doing my thing, man. I, uh, just got home, uh, after a long day and, uh, yeah, you hit me up about the podcast. I said, yeah, I'll be happy to get on here and do that. So, yeah, no, no, I'm good. I got some good info to share and I, and I think you'd be a good guy to relate. So I was at a manager's, um, seminar this week. So everybody out there don't know, you know, I took a new job. Um, as an operations manager, um, o- overseeing, uh, you know, multi-million dollar contracts uh, throughout the Northeast and, and actually the South Central part of the state. And um, the, the name of the company is Davey, uh, Davey Tree, to give them a plug. Um, they actually, like I said, had a manager's uh, seminar this week. And, and I got to learn a lot of really good stuff for some people that have been in business, um, you know, for, for a long time. And, and one of the things that what I got to learn this week is, you know, whether it's sales, you know, and or whatever it is, you know, we have to manage our lives, you, you know, whether we manage people at work, but and at home. So we manage something, you, you know what I mean? As, as oh, individuals, yeah. we, we manage something every, every day. And one of the things that, that I was really taken, taken back, but was, is um, there was a guy that spoke and, um, you know, I'll keep his name private because, you know, he, he asked, but he came just due to some circumstances. He's been in a, bit, uh, a business industry for a while and he's kind of going out and doing his own thing. And he just, you know, uh, he was there, he spoke, but asked for it to be, you know, confidential. One of the things that he said out, you know, that a lot of people, you know, don't don't realize is what you manage in your life. People at work is. You know, we're, we're managing personalities and we've got to get to know our, our people. And one of the things that he was talking about was, you know, sometimes just by talking to a coworker or somebody in the morning, asking them how they're doing can set the tempo for a successful day. And, you know, you know, he, he was telling, he has this motto and I don't know if you agree or not, you can chime in, but you know, if any of his people, you know, come in, come into the office and they're in a pissy mood, you know, and they have a bad attitude, he just tells, says, you know what? I want you to go home, recuperate. 
try again tomorrow. You all right, guys? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I just yeah. had to move something there. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's okay. So one of the things that he does is when people come into his office, you know, to come to work, you know, he gets his team in the morning. If somebody's looking fatigued, somebody's looking like they're they're in a bad mood, or or they're you know they're bitching and you know he he sends them home. Yeah. He says you know you know what come back tomorrow with a better attitude, and he makes he makes all of his employees every day start out you know, shaking each other's hands, smiling, and just trying to create positivity. I, I know you're in sales and, you know, I'm, I'm in sales a little bit. I, I got to sell, you know, I got to meet new customers and oh, dude. like that, but everything in life, everything in life is sales. I mean, if you don't think you're in sales, then you don't understand sales. Like you got every minute of your life, you are, you are selling something, even if it's just selling yourself on, you know, what you're going to do next, uh, your next move, your next, you know, uh, task you're going to tackle. I mean, you know, you're either getting sold or, or selling, um, no matter what I talk about that a lot. And, you know, when you're in sales, you think about it more, but yeah, no matter what you're doing, starting off with a positive attitude is, is, is the biggest part of it. Um, I don't know if you listened to, I do some morning motivation on TikTok now. Um, and uh, both TikTok and Snapchat every morning, I'm trying to put out a little motivation. One of the things I, I mentioned last week is Henry Ford said, you know, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right either way. And that, that's all about, you know, that mindset, that attitude. Like if you just, listen, you bring everybody down with your attitude or you could bring everybody up with your attitude. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned, as I said, everybody's, in life is in sales. Everything you do is sales, but you know, everybody in life is also in management and leadership and you don't, you might not know it. You might be bad at it, but you are, you are a leader. There's somebody out there that's watching what you do and, and, and taking something from it, whether it's a good message or bad message. Um, you know, even if you're, you think you're a low man at the totem pole at work or you're not in a leadership position at work, the new guy who started last week watches your habits and sees what you're doing. So you, you, whether you know it or not, whether you want to be or not, you're a leader to him, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, and he's going to watch what you do. And if you're, if you're displaying bad habits, he's going to pick up those bad habits real quick and it's going to bring the whole company down. So no matter where you are in life, you, you are a leader to somebody and you are in management, even if it's as simple as just managing your own life. And like I said, you're, everything's a sale, whether you're selling yourself, or being sold by somebody else. No, 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 you're right, right? And we all know, you know, and I've been listening to a lot of John Maxwell audio tapes. He's uh, great. He's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lo love the guy. You know you know what I mean? Love the guy. You know, he, I don't know if you know the backstory or not, but but he didn't come, you know, you know, he didn't really come from money, you know, and it was about attitude. But attitude, you know, reflects leadership. And that, that was a quote that I, still used it a state was in actually the movie remember the titans but attitude does reflect leadership and, and you're right attitude is how your day's going to start you know if you're rolling out of the bed and you're saying oh son of a gun today you know i don't want to get up i don't want to go to work that then your, your day's already in this part of my language the shitter you know but if and and that's what i wanted to talk about you know we, we talked about doing you know this week they talked about doing what makes you happy and, and my point is, is in life, you know, you know, we, we as human beings, sometimes we get a, a job that, you know, we, we like, and then we start to hate it, but we're afraid to leave because maybe it's because of a financial obligation. We think, well, I won't, I can't make as much money doing something else, or, 
you know, nobody's going to pay me what I'm making here, but, but you're going to work miserable. You, you're, as soon as you walk into work, you're counting the hours down to you go home. Now, granted, I know work is not that it's not fun all the time. If it was, if it was, it wouldn't be called work, but you know, they, they said about doing what makes you happy. And, you know, the guy was talking about, you know, he had a, he had an employee that was a great employee. He, he crushed it sales. Um, he was everything you could want in an employee he was on time. But at the end of the day, you know, he, after a couple of years, the guy was not happy doing what he was doing anymore. He just wasn't happy. And, you know, he talked to, he's sitting down one day and, and this guy did sold a million dollars every year consecutively. Boom, boom, boom. For like five years in a row, top salesman, you know, he was making good money, you know, was 27 years old. You know, when they told his story, he's 27 years old you know, making $250,000 a year on a salary plus bonuses, you know, making, making close, oh, wow. you know, a, a half a mil with bonuses and everything. But he said the guy was miserable. You know, he was miserable, hated, just hated what he was doing. And he said, he sat him down one day, they went out to lunch and he asked him, you know, what, what's, what's wrong. And, you know, at first he was like, Oh, nothing's wrong. This, this and that. And, and he said, no, seriously, what's wrong. I can tell in your demeanor that, that you're not happy. And the guy actually said to him, you really, really can tell. And, you know, this guy said, I won't name his name. He said, yeah. And if I can tell, so can your customers, so can your, so can your, your coworkers. Right. And the guy said, well, what was a job at first is fun. Now it's a job. And I, and I just hate it. I, I, I you know, he was wore out with what he was doing. So the guy looked at him and said, well, I'm going to give you as an employer two weeks notice to find another job. I want oh, you wow. to go do, yeah, yeah, he fired the guy. He left him go. And he goes and he tells, you know, his, his boss calls him, you know, and the CEO of the company is like, what, what the hell are you doing? Why are you firing our top sales guy? This, and he's like, well, he's not happy doing what he's doing. And he was like, do you think he's given max effort in trying to really sell our product and drive our product home to our customers? And the CEO said, well, I guess you got a point, but still he's selling a million dollars a year. He's doing... 35 to 40% better than any salesman within the whole company. And in the, you know, the boss stuck to his guns and he said, no, he's not happy doing what he's doing. So I'm going to let him go. He needs to go be happy and doing what he's doing. So the guy goes and he becomes a car salesman and he, and he starts out doing it. And he eventually works his way up to um, a finance manager, you know, 10 years down the road, the guy ends up opening one of the biggest Dodge dealerships up in, in, in uh, Miller's, Millersburg, Ohio. And, you know, he saw the guy a couple of years ago and he said they were talking, he actually bought a car off at his dealership. And he said to him, you know, if it wouldn't have been for you firing me, I would have never had this opportunity. And what I'm trying to lead to is sometimes we blessings come in disguise, but if you're not happy doing what you're doing, then don't do it. You know, yeah. you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago when, you know, when this new job come up and I was worried about leaving and it, you know, you said something that, that I'm going to steal, you know, we normally regret the things we don't do in life more than the things we do. And, and looking back at it now, I mean, it's preliminary, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I made the jump. I, I, I really am. Um, yeah. But, 
you got to be happy doing what you're doing. And there's so many people, man, that are just miserable at work. You know what it's like to just meet that person. There's always that one person that's just miserable. They've worked at the company maybe 20 years, maybe two years, and it's they bitch about everything. They complain. I didn't want to be one of those people. And I, and I was starting to become that. And that was when I, I made a decision, you know what, I got to change it. But at the end of the day, you're the only one that can change it. You know, you know what I'm saying? If you're, yep. you're fucking, you're miserable. Yeah. You or I are the only ones that can change it, you know? Yeah. No, Aiden, you're right on the money there. And I, you know, I'm, I'm flattered that, uh, that I, uh, you asked me, uh, my advice before you made that decision. And I'm glad I was able to give you some helpful advice to do that. But I, you know, I, it's one of the pieces of advice I give people all the time, whenever they come to me with a tough decision, I tell, I do tell people that a lot, you know, you are going to be, you, you'll be much easier for you to regret not doing something. And it will, if you do, because if you do, you never know until you go, right? You never know until you take the chance and do it. And if you didn't do it, you'd always have in the back of your mind, what if I did? But if you do it, you know, and if it works out great, more times than not, it seems that it does. But if it doesn't, hey, at least you took the chance and knew. And usually that last opportunity is still there because if you were doing things right there, your old employer will want you back, you know? So, and most employers, I, in my experience, I've had people work for me and I've worked for a lot of people over the years. And it, it, whenever I had an employee come to me and tell me they had a better opportunity somewhere, I, I, if they truly did, I encouraged them to do it. And every employer I ever had that looked at me and saw that, you know, what I was leaving for is a better opportunity for me. They supported me and encouraged me. Um, usually the best job at the office is uh, not one that's available to you, right? It's the, it's the owner of the company, the CEO of the company. So you could climb and climb and climb, but you may never get there and you got opportunity for you. Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, you just don't want to be those people that I'm not a person that's that's happy with staying where I'm at. And, you know, I was asked this question the other day by, you know, people that listen to the show, a couple people, you know, they're they're They want to move up. They, they want to grow. They want to grow in their career. And I thought it'd be a good talking point. So I got a, a question from a guy. I won't, I won't say his name, but, you know, he, he messaged me and he was like, you know, I've been at this job for, for seven and a half years. You know, he, I, he shows up. This is what he tells me. I mean, I'm assuming he's telling the truth. You know, you, you know, he shows up all the time early, you know, maybe misses one or two days every other year of work, you know, works, you know, overtime when it's available, but he's just not going anywhere. You know, he's not, he's not going up, you know, he's not getting looked at for promotions. And, you know, he was, he asked me, you know, what I think he should do. And I, and I told him simply find another job, put yourself out there. And when I, we go back to what we're talking about, about people being scared. So, so his wife found out that he was looking for a job and I know that this happened. She was like, no, he's not, you know, she actually called me true story, not making this up uh, for likes or, or clickbaits. You know, she, she calls me up and says, you know, why, why are you telling, you know, we'll just call him Dave. Um, you know, why are you telling Dave to quit his job and, and go look for another job when he's been at this place for seven years and, you know, he's not going to make money, you know, doing what he's doing any, anywhere else. And, and I said to her, well, well, how do you know that? I said, how does he know if he doesn't try? I said, he's been there seven years. Now, in today's day and age, you work for a company seven years. That's a long time in today's yeah. day and age. Years ago, that was nothing. But today, you find a guy that's been at that, a company for seven years that's a milestone. I hate to say it, but it is. And, and I told him a little bit about, 
you know, people I know, me, I said, I've bounced around from company to company. And I'm not trying to make this about me. Do I regret it? Yes, at, at times I do, but also I don't. Because if I would have not bounced around and took opportunities, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Right. And I, and I told him, you got to roll the dice. And if you're not afraid, if you can't roll the dice on yourself, how can anybody else? So, you know, he put his name out there and, and he got an interview for a supervisor's job doing what he does uh, in like a week or two. And, you know, he called me. He's like, you, you know, I'll, now the opportunity is here. He's starting to get nervous. I'm like, you go. You go and you interview and you, you got to sell yourself to them. And at the end of the day, there's a chance they might pick you. There's a chance they don't. But there's two things I think can come from a job interview. I think you can learn a lot about a company and learn a lot about yourself. And, and sometimes when you don't, get a job, you can look back at that interview and say, well, what did I do wrong? Did I answer the questions right? Did I present myself right? Things like that. But you've got to put yourself out there and roll the dice. You know, I'm kind of an effort guy. Let's do it. You know what I'm yep. saying? I, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys. But I've been wanting to talk about this topic because a lot of people have been asking, and I, and I see it a lot, where people are complacent, but they talk about doing stuff. You know, you got to talk it and walk it. If you want to do it, you got to do it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people say to me, well, you're really young to be in the position you are. And I, and I get that. But I wouldn't be here had I not taken the leaps and the bounds and the opportunities yep. and, and rolled the dice. You, you know what I'm saying? And it's just I don't know how, how you feel about it, but I just see a lot of people that are complacent. And that, that kind of bothers me. You know, seven years at a con this guy wants to move up, but doesn't get acknowledged. And I know that that happens at a workplace a lot. You know, and then you have people that, that don't want to move up that they give the jobs to. I've worked in an environment like that, and that's very toxic. You know, Aiden, one of the one of the things that I really enjoy talking to you about is when, when you and I talk, you, you, you like talking about your job. You like talking about your career. You like talking about, what, you know, what you do for a living. So, so do I. And we, and we share a lot of information there. But, you know, have you ever been out to dinner with somebody and, you know, you start talking about work or something like that? And somebody says, hey, listen, no talking shop. We're here to hang out and have a good time. Right. You ever hear people say that all the time? I, I feel so bad for those people that 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 their job brings them so much displeasure that the only way that they can have fun out tonight or that night is if we don't talk about work. And it, it, it kind of bothers me because, you know what, like I enjoy every job I've ever had from when I was a, a, a clerk to a manager at a 7-Eleven to district attorney to running a restaurant and now being in sales every day. Every job I ever had, I had a passion for it. I loved it and I couldn't talk about it enough. And I feel terrible for these people say, uh, you know, hey, listen, we're out tonight. I don't want to talk about work. Really like, man, I feel bad for you. You probably should look into a different career because, you know, like I can't turn it off like that because I enjoy what I do so much that I never feel like, you know, somebody calls me from work on a Saturday night. I'm, I'm not upset. I'm, I'm taking that call. And I remember when I was a kid, my dad was a manager of a, of a, of a retail store. And when he was off on the weekend and something went wrong, you know, an employee problem or deal off in the middle of the night and he had to get a call. He was so angry. It made him so mad. It like ruined his day. And I always felt like, you know, I don't, I guess he just doesn't like, like his job that much. And he didn't, you know? Um, yeah. And I learned a lot from that, that, you know, I never want to be in a position where I hate my job so much that I can't even talk about it uh, on the weekend or it's going to bring me pain. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You're, you're bringing a good point. I, I was out with, uh, with a customer, a customer one time and, you know, 
this is just how I used to be. He was talking about, I didn't have kids at the time I was young. He's talking about his kids getting braces put on. And I just, I couldn't, couldn't relate to it at the time. And he was like, man, you're really not into that, you know, this, this story. And I, and I looked at him and, and I, and I, I'll never forget this. I said, listen, man, I said, I'm the type of guy I could give a shit less about your kid getting braces. No, no, no offense. I said, but if you want to talk about work, I'll talk about work all night long. And he started talking about some ideas that they wanted to do. Next thing you know, it was two o'clock in the morning. We had a couple of drinks. We were talking. That's just how I am. You, you know, my wife, yeah. you know, it's, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I, and I say this all the time, I, I became obsessed at what I do to be really good. And I, and I listened to a lot of people, a lot of books and a lot of successful people. And it, if you really want to be great instead of good, you, you got to become obsessed at your craft. And, and that was just what I did. I ate, slept and, and, and breathed it. You know, you know what I mean? And yeah. I wanted to be around people that were successful and I wanted to talk to them about, you know, how did you handle a situation like this, this and this and just be a sponge. And I was lucky enough where a guy took me under his wing and taught me so much, you know, I wanted to learn. You know, and, yeah. and that's actually how I got promoted. You know, there was times where they needed to go and bid work on Saturdays. And, you know, the guy that was the, you know, the estimator, the supervisor, he needed somebody to drive him. So he could, well, he looked at the work and he, he said, do you want to do it? And everybody else said, no, I said, yes, I do. And one of the reasons why I said that, they're like, why are you doing that? And I said, well, I'm going to get paid over 20 hours overtime. It was Friday and Saturday. And I said, I'm going to get to learn the business side of the, the actual job that we do. And I've always wanted to be that guy. And it, and it helped me fast start it. But yeah, I hear people say that all the time, you know, oh, hey man, 5.30, you know, we're not, we're not talking about work. And I, and I tell people straight up, well, well, I guess you don't want to be about a uh, part of this conversation. <laughs> I, had a guy, I had a guy ask me that a year ago. I said, you know, maybe the reason you're not growing is because when there's opportunities after work to learn and take the time to be mentored, you would rather go to into the hotel and, and sit in your room and drink beer, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking beer, but, but it was just taking those, those, those are times where I feel that people don't take opportunity when, when somebody's trying to teach us and, and mentor us where a lot of people, ah, I'm getting the hell home. I'm getting out of this place. I've spent enough time. Or you are the person that does it. You normally get called the kiss ass or the suck up. You know? and, and I tell people, you know, if you want to go to the top, you have to listen, you have to soak up and be a sponge and people want to promote people that, that are interested, you know? I, I was out with uh, guys today, you know, being shut around, and, and I met a supervisor, and, and I said to his boss, you know, I said, that guy doesn't have any ambition to be here. Like, I could tell by body language, you know, just by body language, you know, there was no ambition. And, you know, he, you know the, the other manager said, hey, you're, you're right. And he said, but what, what should I do? And I said, well, I'm the new guy, so I'm not going to just start cutting heads off. I don't like to fire people, but you got to ask this guy if he really wants to be here, if he's really committed, because if he's not a hundred percent in then we don't need him on the team, he's not going to help us be effective. And, and that's something that people don't understand too. And you, you agree with this, Bill fucking toxic people bring us down. And to be a good leader, the, the people are successful. You got to surround yourself with successful people. There are people that want to be successful. You know, I, I don't, hang out with people that are content. I, I don't, you know, some yep. people may call me an ass about it, but I don't, you know, if you're the guy that's my age and you got your house, you got your kids. No, that's all I need. 
I just want to work 40 hours a week. I don't want you and I are probably not going to not get along and I'm not going to want to hang out with you. With you. Yep. That's just how I am. I want to be around people That's, that are hungry and want to go get it. You know, my, my brother uses this phrase all the time. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So whatever the five people you spend the most time with, you are the average of that. So if you got a couple slugs in there, they're pulling you down. Um, and, uh, you need to stay away from people that are going to be toxic. They're going to pull you down, uh, because that's all the, all the best you really can be is the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, because it's, it's going to, you're going to wear off on each other. You're going to rub off on each other. And, um, you know, the behaviors and the attitudes that those people have, if you're around them enough, they start to become acceptable to you. And then, you know, what you want to be. You want to be around good, strong, positive people. And I, I've been in that in that situation before where, you know, I'm, I'm spending time with people that are that are negative and uh, pulling me down. And I just found that I, I'm much better off having conversations with people like you and and other people in my life that I, that I spend time with and talk to that are going to be uplifting and, and you know, um, encouraging, you know, so. Uh, yeah, you be careful who you're associating with that. Listen, I, 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 I'm careful. I say that because sometimes there's somebody who needs you, you know, more than you need them. So it's okay to have somebody you spend a lot of time with that is, that is a little bit negative or needs a little help. As long as you're rubbing off on them, they're not rubbing off on you. You know what I mean? Keep the, keep it going in the right direction. No, absolutely. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, not to change gears here quick, but, uh, you know, we'll get into sports a little bit. So over the weekend, did you happen to catch any of the UFC? Did you watch the pay-per-view? You know what? I did not. And I'm trying don't, to remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. blame you. I, I, I love Dana. I love yeah. the UFC. You, you, you know, well, the card didn't basically. excite me. It just, I, you no, know, it I, didn't excite. I bought it and, and, and I, and, and people are going to, I, my wife and I, I fell asleep through the card, man. I mean, I just, I, it was a sat one of them Saturdays where I did a bunch of yard work. Did a bunch of stuff outside. I got a shower, and it just wasn't any big big names on there. And I bought it just because it was me. That's that's who I that's am. What you do. <laughs> and I fucking I fell asleep, man. I woke up as it was ending, as as they were going off the air. And you know, so long story short, I don't know. If, do you know who Francis Ngano is? I don't. So he's the heavyweight UFC champion. Oh, okay. Yes. I so, know who that is. Yeah. So his, you know, his, I guess his manager and Dana don't get along. So, you know, he was supposed to fight, you know, in August. And, you know, I guess they had a deal. The manager told Dana, no, we don't have a deal. So Dana put a uh, serial gun and Derek Lewis in for an interim title, which people that are listening, all that is, is pretty much a, a number one contender spot. So yeah. serial gun was, you know, victorious, which, the storyline is, is, you know, Ngano is from Cameroon and he's, you know, that's where Embiid is from. Joel Embiid's from Cameroon. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, get this. Um, Francis lived in Fr Paris, France for the longest time. Cyril Gan is from Paris, France. They used to train together. They used to be teammates. Um, something happened a couple years ago. Francis left, left the camp moved to Vegas. So those two are going to fight. Uh, I don't know if it'd be by the end of the year or beginning of next year for the heavyweight title. You know, I'm saying John Jones where, you know, I think John Jones says he wants to fight next year. I really just don't know why the USC, I don't know if they didn't try hard enough, but Francis Ngano and John Jones, because John Jones wants to move up to heavyweight. That is the heavyweight fight to make, you know, uh, Cyril gone, good athlete and stuff. 
I don't think he stands a chance in front of Francis Ngannou, which I don't think many people do because uh, he hits like a Mack truck. Uh, if you watch the Stipe Miocic fight, uh, and Stipe was one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, uh, he ran over Stipe. Okay. Know? Other news, I, uh, McGregor, McGregor in D.C. going at it on Twitter. Uh, you know, yeah, seen yeah, I saw yeah. that. <laughs> do, do you, let me ask you this about McGregor. Just bring, do you think he'll come back? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, in what capacity, I don't know. You know, I don't know if we're ever going to see Conor McGregor straight up in a UFC fight where he is, you know, uh, competitive and, you know, uh, expected to win a fight. But I do think he is so marketable. There's something there. Uh, he might get into this stuff like Logan Paul and those type of things or, you know, um, you know, maybe a, another crossover. Hell, he may get into WWE, AEW, something like that. I mean, I, I don't – listen, we haven't seen the last of Conor McGregor and anybody who thinks that is out of their freaking gourd. Uh, the guy, he, he knows how to sell. He knows how to make money. Um, it kind of – you know, you, you we the first thing you mentioned to me about watching the fight on Saturday night was um, there was not – and I, maybe I just missed it, but if I missed it, it wasn't enough. I'm a marketing guy. Like, you know, you could convince me to watch anything if you market it to me the right way. If I see enough of it, you give me the right get the right angle for me. Give me a good storyline, a backstory. This UFC, the only person I talked to about the UFC fight going into Saturday night in the two weeks leading up to it was you. Yeah, and, and we didn't even talk that much about it. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, so yeah, it was a down it was, card. It was, I, I and which give him, you know, and, and speaking of Conor, it was the first card after Conor McGregor. And as a fighter, I would hate to be on that card. Because, oh yeah. The, the big letdown. Oh, it's a big yeah. letdown. I mean, how do you live up to that? You don't follow I, up to it. Yeah. yeah. So back to McGregor. What do you think? I, I love Connor. I'm a big. I fan. do too. I do too. Do you, and, I just don't know what happened if the money got to him or if he lost. You know. You know. He did spend a lot of time away. Don't get me wrong. Connor McGregor is still a competitive fighter. No. You know what I think he should do if he is serious about him. You know. But you know, this is me. What do I know? But you know. If I was Conor McGregor and I wanted to come back to the UFC and be a competitor, I would go down to the featherweight division. That that lightweight division, man, is the toughest division in the UFC. There is yeah. some stars. That division is loaded. I just think you'd have a better chance of becoming a champion again at the, at the featherweight division. That's just my opinion. I look at the competition down there, but also, you know, Conor's Conor. I, I mean, if we look at the fight, you know, I, I bought the fight. I believed it. The only, I was worried. I thought it, Connor should have waited a little bit more to take the fight. I think that that quick of a turnaround, I know he was hungry. I don't think was enough time. You know, there's no leg kicks or, you know, I mean, you want to get into it. You know, I, I've listened to a lot of experts. And when I mean experts, you know, people that have actually done this, you know, they're talking about they've been in fights and gotten those low calf kicks. And it's taken years for their calf muscles to come back to where they were before, if they ever do come back. Yeah. I just thought he took it too soon. I would have liked to see him fight at the end of the year. You know, take seven, eight, nine months, really study, learn. But also, you know, we could talk about it all day. But, you know, what, what happened in the training camp? Is Connor running the camp or are the coaches? You know, you got, you're worth $400 million. It's very hard to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and want to go run down the road. It's very yep. hard. I'm not doubting the guy, but well, I'm just saying, listen, you know, if you, uh, you know, I, I use a lot of movie analogies and almost everything I do. 
And uh, if you remember in Rocky three, when Rocky was champ and he got complacent and uh, you know, he was trained, he had those public trainings and there was bands there and music and women coming over to kiss, kiss him on the cheek and all that. Right. And then uh, Clubber Lang, Mr. T, he was in the basement training alone. Uh, you know, he said, I, I train alone. I fight alone. I win the title alone. Right. And then he came in there and beat the hell out of Rocky. I know it's just a movie, but the premise is absolutely spot on. And then, when Rocky got back with Apollo, they followed, trained them. They went back to the old school gym uh, where Apollo was trained, you know, went back to their roots, got that eye of the tiger back and he came back and he beat Clubber Lang's ass. Yeah. Uh, you know, Connor may be somewhere in that, you know, spectrum right now where the, the spotlight is in his eyes and uh, he is, you know, he's believing his own hype. And, um, you know, when he was winning, nobody knew who the hell he was. And now that everybody knows who he is, it seems like his star has lost some luster. So if he really wants to do that, yeah, he needs to get back into the dojo, man. He needs to get back to his roots and, um, you know, go back, go back to whoever was training him in the beginning, get out of the, the spotlight. And, um, you know, if, if I, if Connor really wants to win, I think you'd see him. This is, this would be a pretty, if it was a movie, if it was a movie, this is how it would go. Connor would sign the next big fight, whoever it's going to be, could be a rematch, right? Um, with Port, uh, with, with Dustin, right? He could go back and say, "Hey, we have a rematch," and then he just stoically shuts his mouth, doesn't say anything, stares him down, doesn't run his mouth, goes all the way to fight. Nobody even heard from him for three three months, right? Doesn't even give an interview, and then he just goes in there and just whoops his ass. That'd be the st- the script for the movie, for sure. <laughs> well, I, and and I think we get, you know, I I think we'll see him again. I I do, but he's got to win. I, I'm a Teddy Atlas fan. I love listening to Teddy. Yeah. And you know, I listened to Teddy Atlas after it was like a couple of days. It was a Monday or Tuesday after I fight. You know, Teddy has a podcast, and I and I listened to a, a boxing legend, and you you know that that's what he said. McGregor needs to take this time heal up, and he, and if he wants to come back. And, you know, he needs to actually have a look in the mirror and be honest with the man that he's looking at in the mirror and, and see where he's at. I mean, you know, the UFC is going to book him if he's cleared, you, you know, and anybody will take that fight. I, you, you know, of course, you, you know, but because it's the money fight, you know, you, yeah. know, you know what I mean? It is the money fight. But I hope to see him. I, I, I don't think we've seen the last of him. I know he's been heavy on social media. And but I also don't think Connor knows how to live now without that. Without that's what camera, I mean. Without, without that's what I mean. The, the spotlight's got a little too bright in his eyes, in my opinion. And I, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love the guy. I think he's marketable. Um, I think he, he he's kind of got to make a decision. Does he want to be that guy and go out and make a lot of money and 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 be a celebrity? And there's an opportunity there for that. But if he wants to get into seriously being a UFC fighter and and get back to you know being a competitive fighter and and win titles again. Uh, I think he does have to, uh, you know, f- focus with uh, gazelle intensity just to get back to um, his roots, and yeah. uh, you know, back when nobody knew the hell who the hell he was. Get back to Tony, the Tony Robbins, you know, you know when he came yeah. back and starched cowboy, and and you look at what he did then. I think he needs to get back to. Well, yeah. not to switch gears, we'll switch into W, you know, wrestling. Um, you know what's AEW man? They are they. I, I haven't been watching it as much as I'd like, but you know, they're in the media every day. I mean, they're, they're signing some big stars. CM man. Punk, man. That's my guy. CM Punk. Yeah. So is it, yeah. I was going to, is that official? He's actually signed to AEW. 
Yeah, that's the all reports are. He's signed a contract. He just, he hasn't made his uh, debut yet. Although I think they're in, aren't they in Pittsburgh this weekend? I, I believe so. Yeah. So who knows? And then I think there's a big pay per view coming up in Chicago. Um, yeah, that's just, where he's from. That's where yeah. he lives at. So that may be where he makes his uh, debut, or he may do something before that, so that he has a big match there. I don't know, but listen, AEW's uh, doing doing the right thing right now, and um, you know, I I, I finally have kind of jumped in, um, and uh, yeah, I like I like what I've seen so far. Now, when are they on Tuesday nights? Now they went to Tuesday nights. Right? Uh, I thought it was Wednesday, but it might be Tuesday. Is it one, maybe it is Wednesday, but uh, for the first time in since WCW. I think they're able to compete with the WWE, but I don't think in in a way somebody said they're not trying to, but in a way they're not, but they're being successful. They got some big names start and I don't know what's going on. I just seen that uh, the fiend got, did not get, they got, he got let go by WWE. I don't know what happened there, but. And and listen, I, I, this is one thing I always laugh about, like, you know, so like the wrestling purists, they're going to talk bad about WWE and, you know, that everybody sells out that goes to WWE. But listen, no, none of these guys in their right mind would turn down a WWE contract at any point in their career. And, I, you know, right now, if AEW wants to pretend that they're not competing with WWE, that's fine. But I'll tell you right now, it's just a slip service. They they would take in a heartbeat and they, they are trying to and they're they're successful. They're getting some. But I don't think they want to come out and say, yeah, we're trying to take WWE head on because. You know, if they if they say that too early, um, you know, it's going to take a long time to get there. And, you know, it's it's a lot of times people don't want to tell everybody what their real goal is because, uh, it, it, you know, it looks like they're falling, falling short. But at the end of the day, that's what they want to do. Yeah. No, I saw Bobby Eaton passed away. I don't know if you saw that or not. You're, you're Listen, an old school wrestling Oh, guy. absolutely. Listen, I saw the Midnight Express fight the Road Warriors uh, in a scaffold match at the Civic Center in Philadelphia. I was um, Cornette was Cornette managing Cornette and I, Paul Erling yeah. was the manager of um, the Road Warriors and. Listen, uh, it was it was pretty cool. Now I will say this: when they when they hyped up the match, it was actually this is the way they used to do wrestling. And you know, you're probably too young to even remember this, but with the pay per views and the, the the big shows like WrestleMania for for NWA or WCW at the time was the Great American Bash. Yeah, and they would they would hype a match like so that match would be for Starcade. So the big match for Starcade was going to be the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express. Um, on a scaffold match at Starcade, and it was a pay-per-view. But at the same time, whether it be a couple weeks before or probably more likely a couple weeks after, they took that match on the road. So, like, it wouldn't be on TV. It wouldn't Obviously, there was no internet. So nobody other than the people who went to the show knew what was going on there. But they would have that same match and almost do the same exact thing. Like, the match almost would turn out exactly the same as it did at the pay-per-view. But they would, you know, put it on as a house show for fans. Really? So... The, if there was obviously video and, you know, I think it's probably Starcade 88, Starcade 89, somewhere around there, where uh, the Road Wars and Midnight Express fought at the pay-per-view. But then they went around to the local arenas and put on the show. And that's the year I would have went. And uh, it was cool. Like the big, if you, I don't even know this, but the big boss man, he was, he was the bodyguard for the Midnight Express and Jimmy Cornette. And it was, um. His name was uh, Bubba Rogers, Big Bubba Rogers. Okay, yeah, yeah. He yeah. would wear a suit. He would wear a suit, and then he'd take his jacket off and kick some ass. So in that match, you know, uh, 
I just remember Jim Cornette ended up on top of the scaffold and then Paul Erling went up there and then uh, Bubba Rogers had to come up there and save him. But here's the funny thing about it. So they hype it up, scaffold match, you know, 40 feet above the ring. You know, you win by throwing your opponent off of the scaffold. Well, you know, it sounds pretty cool. But at the end of the day, when they would actually, the guy would like, they push him. He'd, he'd fall to the ground on the scaffold. Then he would fall off the scaffold, but be like hanging, jump. So he's holding on the scaffold. And when he jumps, you know, his feet are maybe at the end of the day, 15 feet above the ring. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. And he just kind of hang jumps and, and it makes it look really bad. But nobody, nobody got thrown off the scaffold. Now, I think if they did that match a little bit later in the, uh, in the history of wrestling history? and get Mick Foley in it, Mick Foley. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> dude, I, I, I still, to this day, I love watching the undertaker throwing Mick Foley off of the hell in a cell. The call with Jr. just as organic as that was, because mm-hmm. didn't know that happened actually in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A lot of people don't know that at the old yeah. penguins arena, you know, but not that, not to change the subject. I knew you were a wrestling fan. I didn't know. I, I actually listened to Cornette's um, podcast the other day, and it was about, you know, Bobby Eaton. And, I, uh, you know, Norm, Cornette's normally loud and a foul mouth, but, uh, you know, he was definitely saddened by, by the death of, you know, you know, Bobby Eaton. And it's, you know, you look back, man, it's like more and more of these old iconic oh, those guys, these wrestlers, they're, 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 they're passing away, man. Well, they would have spent a lot of time together because the uh, Midnight Express was a, you know, a, a powerhouse tag team in the – late 80s, early 90s in, in WCW, which then was NWA. And they mm-hmm. rest, wrestled in uh, UWF, world-class wrestling. Like, they were they were around for a long time. And Cornette was – that was his kind of primary, uh, you know, uh, client, so to speak. He was the manager for them. So they spent a lot of time together. And, yeah, I was kind of saddened to see that too. And, um, yeah, it's, it's sad when you see these guys uh, that, that were, you know, legends, um, you know when their time is coming for these wrestlers, to, you know, yeah, man, it, far it's... too young. Sometimes these guys are like, sometimes I have to say like, how old was Bobby? Eaton? I don't think he was 60. He was like 58, 59 years old. Yeah. And, and his wife, uh, trying to think who her dad was because he married a wrestler's daughter. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. 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 Here, I'm going to go Bobby Eaton. Yeah. He couldn't have been. I think I, I, thought, I think I remember he's fifty eight, he fifty nine years old. I saw. He was born. He he was uh, normally it says on my Google machine he was sixty two. Sixty two, okay. All yeah, right. and he Still married too young man. Yeah. Oh, and he married Bill Dundee's daughter. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Did he? Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Bill Dundee, the uh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty no, interesting. Still, sixty two is young, and, and 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 not to get off. We're still talking about wrestling, so Cornette is a tennis he's a he lives in louisville kentucky yeah and i won't get into his political views because you know it's opposite but uh he uh, a couple weeks ago he was announcing on his podcast that you know by the end of uh summer early fall he's gonna start doing some autograph signings and some booking well i i have uh, a couple accounts in the kentucky area that are literally like right outside of louisville and, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, you talk about opportunity. I believe timing is key. So when I get down there and, and I won't be going down there actually until probably about another month or so, you know, I'm, I'm going to try, you know, to go to a Jim Cornette signing. But down in Louisville, Kentucky, 
Um, I would love to meet the guy. You know, that's a rest. Me, I think he's a comedian. I mean, he's hilarious when he goes off on his tyrants, but he's a good mind for the business. But, you know, oh, yeah. when, I'm, when I'm down there in Tennessee and Louisville, I can't help but think of Jim Cornette and old uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I was too young for that when that when that happened. But uh, I did, um, you know, go back and look it up and watch some videos. And that used to be the developmental. You know, he owned Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And then that turn, he ran OVW is what I was thinking of. OVW was the developmental uh, deal that the WWE had with him. And, oh, my God, I forget. Uh, I forget the uh, Danny. Danny something. I forget Danny's last name. Danny Davis. Danny Davis. There you go. Yeah. There you have it back in the day. But yeah, some legends, man. Yeah. Uh, are they booking a lot of shows with wrestling right now? I mean, I know you're, I mean, like that. I used to try to always go when the WWE would come to the Bryce Jordan Center or something like that. I know you've been, have you been to a couple of WrestleManias? I went to WrestleMania twice and I'm planning on going in Dallas next year. So, uh, yeah. really? Yeah. Might have to attend. I might have to attend that you myself. Should, you because should, you should. I've never, I've, I've always wanted to go. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but my kids are starting to get into wrestling. And, and that's how I got into wrestling as a kid. My grandma and I used to sit on Monday nights and, and, and we'd watch, you know, back when I was growing up, it was the Monday night war, you know, eight o'clock WCW, you know, nine o'clock WWE. And then back then, you know, with the direct TV, you could split the screen. We were watching WWE on the one side and the WCW on the other. But my kids are starting to get into it. And I, I would love to take them. And, and that's something that's definitely on the list to do. So you've been to a couple WrestleManias. Yeah, I went to WrestleMania twice. And, uh, yeah, saw The Rock and uh, uh, John Cena. Uh, oh, you were there? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. And then uh, I was at The uh, Undertaker uh, the first time when he lost to uh, Lesnar. I was you were that. there. Yeah, yeah. That was in New York. That was pretty crazy. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Well, speaking of events, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, telling people. So, uh, Conor McGregor tickets were bought. UFC, you know, I don't think anybody that hears this is going to, you know, working for the UFC. But they didn't come out until they oversold tickets. So, for yeah, those you mentioned people that listening, yeah. yeah. For those people listening that don't know. So, when Conor McGregor fought, you know, the UFC – when they go into these arenas, they have X amount of tickets that they for sale. And then, you know, I'm sure, you know, like Dana has tickets that he can give to friends and celebrities because that was the most celebrities at a UFC event ever. Well, they oversold tickets. And um, I don't know the exact number, but it was not by like, oh, we oversold like five or ten. No, we're, we're talking, you know, a couple hundred, maybe even a thousand. So all the people that were that got oversold got 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 reimbursed but um also if you wanted reimbursed or you could get tickets for the uh ufc 266 in las vegas um you know i was lucky to have an opportunity to do that Um, i wanted my first ufc live event to be for mcgregor i did that um but there's one you know in vegas coming up that i got tickets to and uh I'm going to try to actually go to uh, the one in November. The Ortega. Uh, uh, is that Ortega? Ortega, Ortega, right Ortega Volkanovsky is in yeah. Vegas. But the one that, that's in Madison Square Garden is Usman Covington, too. Okay. And that was a barn burner the first time. Michael Chandler's on that card, him and uh, Justin Gaethje. And then, uh, you know, I even, you know, but also in Vegas on 266, the return of Nick Diaz, him and Robbie Lawler, too. Is going to be on the card. I think that's the co-main event. Oh, 
you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, well, uh, and we got SummerSlam coming up here August 21st. Where's that at this year? Uh, you know, I don't even know where it's at this year, but I, I'm not going. But um, yeah, we're planning on watching it. Maybe uh, we can see if we can get our schedules coordinated to do a, a podcast for the uh, preview to preview to um, SummerSlam. Yeah. So, hey, before we wrap up here, Bill, you know, I know you and I talked about it last week and I'm just spitballing this on the fly. Uh, you know, want to start doing something weekly where we're, we're going to be making college and NFL picks. Yes. And uh, keeping track. Um, I don't know if you do any fantasy football. I, I, I haven't done it. No, I do enough to enough to be dangerous, man. I'm uh, yeah, <laughs> I dabble, but I'm not a. I, I don't get all the charts and spreadsheets out. I just kind of pick the next player on the board. The next best player on the board is how I play. Well, well, maybe the fans. We could put it out there for the fans and see, you know, what they thought. Maybe we could start a, you know, and. You know, maybe start a you know a Bill and Aiden a fantasy league. And, you know that that could be a you know a part of the podcast. But I, I want to get into one. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's fun. You know, uh, I just haven't had time the past couple of years. But I got a, I got a couple guys now. hit me up for some. I'll see if there's a slot for you. I'll try to squeeze you into one. All righty. But yeah, yeah. man. I, no, it's been a pleasure talking. To Absolutely, you. brother. Some, and we're gonna yeah. yeah always, um, like you said, uh, we got some plans for the future. You and I are kind of spitballing, making some plans to do some things for the future and um we're gonna we're yeah like you said we're gonna do a weekly uh football preview maybe we'd call it kind of pick some college games pick some pro games and kind of have a head-to-head challenge and kind of talk about the previous game week's games and the next week's games coming up and um maybe do a podcast for SummerSlam. and i'm gonna have aiden as a go as a guest on the never quit podcast this upcoming week uh, so, uh, we're going to talk about that and, um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll rehash some of the things we already talked about, but, uh, going to put a little bit of direction in the, move it in the direction of, you know, how to overcome adversity, uh, how to, how to take on challenges in life, things like that. And I know you got some, uh, some good information to share. Yeah, for sure. Well, Hey man, I appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. Uh, you know, as always, man, and we're definitely going to keep in touch and uh, yep. keep this thing going. Yes, sir. Look forward Already to it, man. Amen. You have a good you night. Too, hey, you too. Me. I'll talk All to right. you later. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye.